The Knees and Mother Brown West Ham podcast is brought to you by BombettaLondon.com. It's an Italian restaurant by Snaresbrook Station. You can make a reservation by going to BombettaLondon.com. You're listening to the Knees Up Mother Brown podcast. Instead of the sultry tones of Chris Go and Bianca Westwood this week, unfortunately, you've got myself, James Longman. Um, I had the chance to speak to ex-chairman Eggert Magnuson this week. He spoke about his time at West Ham, getting rid of pards, the handling of a Tevez affair, and the Olympic Stadium, amongst many other subjects. Hope you enjoy it. Come on, you irons. Firstly, thank you so much for joining us on the Knees Up Mother Brown podcast. It is Eggert Magnuson. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, very good. Oh, good. Um, you're currently in Iceland, aren't you? No, I'm currently in Valencia, Spain. Oh, you're in Valencia. You get around. I get around, yeah. Um, so I'm to... a little bit involved. <laughs> so to start... Many, many, many people in the, world, in the football world still recognise me as a good name. Although, what? you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think I have a good name in football generally. You do have a good name in football. Um, let's start at the beginning. How did you come uh, to identify as West Ham as a team you wanted to take over? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's a story that probably many of West Ham uh, supporters already know that uh, I, I have been in football all my life. And uh, when uh, in 2000 late summer 2006 I was then uh, chairman of the Atlantic Cafe where, where I was a chairman for 20 years I was member of the UEFA executive committee I was uh, you know in many FIFA committees so I was I was more or less you know spending most of my days in football because I had already sold my company uh, some years period to that, you know, and uh, so I, I could more or less, you know, dedicate my life to football after I chose my company. And uh, then I got a phone call from a very rich friend of mine who, who at that time uh, was on top of his world, you know, and had plenty of money, and he was a good old football friend, and he told me he wanted to look into the possibility of buying a Premier League club, but he wouldn't do it unless I was prepared to go there with him and sort of go into the club to be an executive chairman. And that, that's the story. How, that's how it started. Oh, OK. And um, he, how did he identify West Ham as a club to go for? Did he see... Lo- no, lots- so it was, uh, it was uh, you know, uh, immediately... From my point of view, it was uh, interesting to buy a London club because for me, a London club has always uh, more possibilities than clubs uh, around England, so to say. There, there is a lot more possibilities in, in the big city with the, the corporations and so on. So, you know, West Ham was at that time available. There was already uh, some people trying to buy the club and thought they already had uh, more or less bought the club uh, when we entered, you know, but but 
Um, and obviously, Terry Brown has a bit of a uh, fractious relationship with the West Ham fans. What was he like to do business with? No, he was okay. Once, once I got inside, because there was uh, there was uh, a very bright uh, young man, Kia Tachiban was his name, who who is uh, who is very involved in football, I believe, still as an agent and. He already had uh, put together uh, so a group of people, and they more or less, I think, uh, I mean, I think uh, Brown at that point when we entered the fray had already decided that they would buy the club. And he was also the guy who brought Tevez and Mascherano in there before I came in. And and uh, that was maybe one of the reasons why Tevez and Mascherano came into West Ham. It was because he he was with a group of people going to buy the club. Right. Um, so it took a, it took a while to get in there, but but once you know uh, it was very straightforward, and uh, you know I, I had nothing but good to say about him from a business perspective. Oh, okay. And then when you took over club, we were obviously in a little bit of a tricky position. Um, we weren't doing very well in the league. Uh, did you know that West Ham was in a little bit of a state, uh, you know, in bad shape at the time? Uh, I, I didn't know it was as bad that this really was until uh, we took over because I think, you know, I, 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 we had a good manager. I, 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 I think at that time, which was Alan Parkey, who had done very well the season before, and I, I thought, you know, he was okay. And, yeah. But but uh, soon after I came into the club, I found that you know it was not okay, and uh, I think the dressing was not okay, and uh, something had to be done. Um, and uh, therefore, you know, uh, which is always a, a difficult thing to do. But if you are a chairman, you have to make difficult decisions, and uh, I, I I saw it as the only possibility at that time to sack Alan Partey. Um, and do you feel, were there, obviously Alan Kerbishley came in, were there any other options at the time or did you immediately identify Kerbishley as a man to save us? Yeah, at that moment, you know, he seemed an obvious choice. He had been doing, uh, you know, some great things with Charlton and uh, and he had been considered even for the England job. He was available, he was a West Ham man, you know, he played for West Ham and... Uh, and was a West Ham supporter as a kid, you know. So, you know, I think he was, yeah, at that moment, you know, we needed to do something very quickly. We needed to get in a good man as soon as possible because we needed to turn the season around, you know. And I knew from my experience in football, it, it would not be easy, you know. And as a chairman... Um, were you quite hands-on? Did you, you know, were you in the dressing room? Did you get along with the players? How did you operate? Uh, not, not uh, so much. I was always, you know, visible, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I was around, but I was not close to the players. You know, I, I don't think that is, that's not uh, the chairman's uh, job. You know, that's the manager or, or his staff. But I, I you know. Uh, as close as I thought I should be, you know. But I was certainly hands-on, and uh, the first season was, 
was, you know, 24-7, and it was, uh, for me, the most important thing that season was just to keep the club uh, optimistic, always, you know, positive that we could do it, that we would do it, players, staff, and everybody to keep, you know, yeah, how shall I, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, you have to believe that there is always a possibility, and I, in the end, I think that was what, uh, you know, made us uh, avoid relegation in the final game. And uh, you, did you always believe we could avoid relegation? Because there must have been some tricky yeah, times. I did, I did, because we made some changes uh, in January, and I think we... Uh, you know, we were lucky to get some real men in the dressing room who, who you know, who had some weight also and who with us believed that this was possible and, and it was very important at that time. Um, and obviously we had two world-class Argentinians in Tevez and Mascherano. What was the deal around those? Did you know there was something amiss or did you just accept that things were, you know, all oh, above board? I had board? no idea, you know, what was hidden behind there, you know, and still don't know, so, and, uh, you know, for me, I, I still don't understand uh, how, how West Ham lost the court case, I, I think that was partly handled by the people who were responsible for the club at that time, right. I, I just can't believe how, how they lost the court case with Sheffield United, I, you know, for me today, I, I can't believe it, you know. Um, and t- I've been in football all my life, and, you know, uh, to say that one player can, you know, can win promotion or, or or avoid relegation, that's, you know, it's impossible. Um, and do you think that uh, Terry Brown was to blame for that deal, or do you think it was just, uh, I mean, you say you un- don't understand why the court case was lost. Do you think it was bad, just bad legal advice? I, I have no, you know, comment on that, because I, I think, you know, Terry Brown thought everything was, okay with the deal. I, I, I sincerely believe that. But there were some forces within the club that were doing things they knew were not correct. And uh, in the end, you know, that came to light. And also, while all this was going on, you know, uh, with the Premier League, uh, more or less, uh, you know, all this season, we, we had problems with the Premier League because of this, you know, and uh, I remember I used to wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, thinking about there was still some document out there I, I have never seen, you know, which would lead to that we would be relegated automatically, you know, to the third division or whatever, you know, because, because I had no control over what had happened before I came in. Right. And did you think... Obviously, the reason for that the Premier League started with the inquiry was that some people at West Ham had obviously lied to the Premier League about the whole thing, you know. Um, and going back to the football, after we lost 4-3 at Spurs, did you think, you know, did you think we'd turn it around or did you think this was the end? still thought we could turn it around because that was quite a good game, you know. It was unbelievable we should lose that game. But it was just one of those games, you know, football games that, you know, you shouldn't lose, but you lose. 
because it's football. You, you, <laughs> it's difficult, you know, but that, that is what happens still today, you know. I mean, Barcelona lose against Alaves, who are the bottom team at home. You know, who could believe that? But this happens in football. And, you know, when they scored the goal, I think it was in the final 10 seconds, it was unbelievable. Right? You know, it, it was not a good situation, and uh, I didn't feel very good after that. But the next day, it was all a, about starting again and making everybody believe that we could do it, you know. You have to be positive. That, that's your main agenda in a football club, you know, to have a good atmosphere. Everybody feels they are part of, you know, the organization, they are part of the team, so to say. Um, and obviously we won seven of our last games and we beat United, Manchester United, on the last day. I bet that was a relief for you. Yeah, it was, it was, it was. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And did that's you... That's how football is, you know. And, and that's, yeah, that's... But we was... were, of course, a little bit lucky because United are always the champions, you know. And, uh, so, you know, when you go into a, a final game of the season and they are the champions, you know how it is, you know. There has been some celebrations, obviously, and uh, that's, that's only part, part of the game, you know. Had you planned financially for the championship, should we have gone down? There was nothing, you know, it, it was not for uh, me or, uh, you know, or my companion, who was obviously the strong finance man in the relationship we had. There was nothing we could plan because it was already, you know, uh, all the contracts were there uh, when we came in. And uh, there, at that time, there was no nothing in the contracts with the players that said that, uh, their salaries would go down if we went into the championship. So right. it was not a good situation, you know. Um, and then that summer, we obviously spent big. We got Parker, Faubert, Lundberg, Bellamy, Dyer. Do you look back on those times and think, oh, sh- maybe we shouldn't have bought some of those players, or did you feel confident uh, that we'd, we'd bought the right crew? I, I felt very confident at that time, you know. In football, it's. You know, I think Bellamy still was a great player and he was a good, he was a great guy, you know. And, uh, you know, for the money we spent on him, I think it was not much, you know. But uh, looking in hindsight, you know, even and looking at what he did after he was with us. So, you know, with Lindbergh, he was obviously, after he came to West Ham, he was more or less injured. So that was a problem you cannot see, you know. Uh, in football, you are always uh, taking some chances, you know. You you maybe think, and, and of course, it is the manager who makes the decision, and but he's, he needs the support of the chairman and the owners and so on. So it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't choose Bellamy. I didn't choose, uh, uh, you know, this guy or that guy. That was all on purpose. But did, did you ever question that the wages were quite... Uh, extensive for players of at that, that time of career. I mean, obviously Bellamy was great, but Lundberg was towards the end, I suspect. Did you ever question that that was a lot of money to pay for something? Well, uh, it's, it's always a matter of, you know, every decision made was made with the support of our, you know, our, how shall I say, the rich guy who was really the big owner of Western United. 
who, uh, you know, who I was working with, and there was never a transfer, there was never a, a, a you know, a decision on uh, the player's wages unless he gave his full, you know, commitment to that. And, you know, in the beginning when I came into West Ham, I would never have gone into West Ham unless I really believed that he was going to put a lot of money into the club. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of things that happened during my stay that were not as I had been told beforehand. If that, if I had known uh, most of the things, you know, I would never have gone into West Ham as, as a, a very small part owner and chairman because, you know, I, I really thought we were buying a club to do some great things. There would be a lot of money around. Uh, you know, I was told you should aim aim at the Champions League and so on, so, you know. Um, and then... I know everybody, everybody has, uh, you know, be blaming me for this and that, and okay, okay, I am man enough to take that, but really, you know, I came into the club on quite different conditions, you know. And then when it all went wrong, so, so you eventually left, and what happened there? Why did you end up leaving? No, it was just a mutual agreement uh, between me and, uh, you know, my old friend who was a rich guy, you know. Yeah. Things were changing. There was not the same money around, you know, and suddenly, you know, one or two years later, he was bankrupt. So so it ended very sadly for him. And, you know, as I said, I, I went into West Ham with, with uh, you know... Uh, how shall I put it? I, I I thought things would be different, you know. But and do you still speak to um, uh, Goodmanson? Well, uh, you know, uh, we 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 have seen it so yeah, yeah, and uh, there there is nothing from my side, you know, other than he is still my great friend, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, life is too short, you know. Yeah. Life is too short to be bitter about uh, <laughs> some things that happen in life, you know. Yes. But when I went into West Ham, I was really on top of international football. I was member of UFA executive committee. I was, uh, I was very, very involved in a lot of things. So I, I gave up a lot of things to go into West Ham. And just talking about the current state. Uh, but but uh, thinking afterwards, I, I also have to say I loved every minute. Because I am a football man, you know. It was, it was a challenge. It was uh, every day there were new problems, <laughs> new, new, uh, you know, things to worry about regarding players, and and also in the end a lot of, you know, happy faces when we managed to stay up, you know. Um, and yeah, there's lots of happy faces, especially where I was. Um, in terms of the Olympic Stadium move, there's obviously been some problems. You were in, all in favour of the Olympic Stadium. Um, would, it, you, would you have run it differently if you had been in charge now? No, I, I you know, I, I was, uh, I was quoted very wrongly in the sun by somebody who called me, and uh, I thought was uh, a member of BBC staff, you know, which he had been some years earlier, and asked right. me about. Uh, something with the stadium and you know I thought it was off record and, uh, but then I heard about something in the sun you know that was quite different what what I had said to him but you know the, the whole truth about the Olympic Stadium is that 
uh, it all started when I was at West Ham. I, I had that, that time meetings with uh, the mayor of, uh, you know, of London, uh, Ken Livingston, two or three meetings. Uh, yep. I had meetings with the minister, Tessa Jowell, and, uh, you know, uh, we wanted already when the stadium was going to be designed, that it would be designed as a football stadium from the beginning. So after the Olympics, it would be much easier to change to a football stadium and uh, all the necessary arrangements would be made, you know. So, but when the Olympics were over, it could easily be changed to a football stadium. I mean, a real football stadium. Right, and obviously... At, at, at that time, you know, there was so much money around that, uh, you know, uh, and obviously there was a lot of uh, uh, politics around athletics. Lord Coe, you know, didn't want to hear about this being a football stadium after the games, you know. So uh, at that time, uh, you know, it, it was almost, they, they had all the meetings with us, but more or less, you know, they didn't want to see so. And looking at West Ham now, do you still wish you was in charge and kind of running it? I mean, I love the club, I love the supporters, and, you know, I, I had my time there, I loved every minute of it, although it was a very, very difficult time, and afterwards I, I may be, have been blamed for a lot of things that I had no control over, but that's life. I, I thought at the time that the supporters were very, very positive to, towards me, and I think they knew... Most of them, that I was just a genuine football man trying to do as the best I could for for this very very good and lovely club, you know, which which I've known for you know since since I was a small boy with uh, Hurst and Peters and uh, you know all the glory around the World Cup and so on. So. And Egger, to, to touch on this season, how do you, what do you think has gone wrong? Do you think we're going to stay up or do you think we're going to struggle? I think we're stay up, definitely. I, I, think, uh, I think there is too much uh, quality in, in the team. But, you know, as often happens in football, when you lose confidence and somehow, you know, you lose a game, you lose the next game, and uh, all of a sudden it's very difficult to turn things around. You know, but yeah. maybe it needs uh, two uh, new faces or what have you. It, it needs something at the moment. And we're right at this. Not, not, not a new manager. I think the manager is good. I think the manager, you know, still has it. And, you know, I think it can it be a great success for the first time. Oh, that's, that's nice to hear because this is almost the anniversary of a day that uh, you got rid of Alan Pardew. So this would be a perfect time for you to come in and make changes. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I think uh, the the guys who are running the club at the moment, you know, are doing uh, very well, and you know, the club is in great shape. And I have nothing but positive to say about them. You know, it's it's not for me to criticise uh, them because I think they are doing a great job. Super. Okay. Well, here's hoping you. I wish them all the best, you know, and and West Ham as always. Here's here's hoping you. I, I I wish I was more welcome there, but. What's life? You have to take, take that. 
Edgar, we've got a spare seat for the whole match. You're welcome to come and sit with us. <laughs> OK. <laughs> OK. Um, thank you so much, Edgar, and I hope you're right. I hope we start this season, and um, good luck. We stay up, but uh, I think they have to do something. It's, it's no good just saying, you know, this will come, this will come. They, they have to, uh, you know, uh, something has to change. Some, uh, maybe some minor things, but, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Edgar, thank you for this call. All the best. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was ex-chairman Edgar Magnusson, and thanks very much to him for taking the time to speak to us. Hopefully you'll see him sat with us at the whole match. Feel free to leave any comment on the website, or you can tweet us. I'm on at longas1. Chris is on at cjskull, score of a C. Bianca's on at bwestwood. And the chief himself, Graham, is at comer.com. Hope you enjoyed it. Come on, your hands. The Knees Up Mother Brown podcast is sponsored by Bombetta, which is a lovely little Italian restaurant right next to Snaresbrook Station. Get down there before the match or after the match. It's no Ken's Cafe, but I think you'll like it. It's meat, it's cheese, it's wine, it's got a lot. You can book online at www.bombettalondon.com.